Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. In this episode, I'm going to be going a little deeper than usual. Sort of a cannonball into the deep end of the pool. Okay, so during these times, and most likely due to this pandemic, many youth have begun to think about the existential, with many of them experiencing an existential crisis. Before I move on, I want to define those two terms. First off, looking at that word existential. So if something is existential, it has to do with or relate to human existence. And that next term, if your child is encountering or wrestling with the big questions of life, you know, the ultimate concerns of existence, they may be experiencing an existential crisis, which can be defined as the moment when an individual questions whether their life has meaning, purpose, or value. And because of this contemplation, they are negatively impacted. All right. So these times, this pandemic, this school year, the year 2020, for many of our youth, has in many ways generated a genesis of many young people's understanding of the inherent tragedies of existence. In these past eight months, I've heard more youth talking about existential concerns or experiencing an existential crisis than I've seen or experienced in the previous 12 years of my work combined. Okay, so that's why I really wanted to talk about this. Now, let me step aside for the moment and allow the world's greatest living expert in existential psychology to provide you a better understanding of these inherent issues of existence. This greatest living expert I'm referring to is a gentleman named Irv Yalom. He is an existential psychotherapist, and he wrote the book when it comes to doing group psychotherapy. Okay, so Yalom lists the four primary issues or tragedies of existence as death, freedom, isolation, and meaninglessness. And to have Yalom break that down a bit, he says, there is a realization of the inevitability of death for each of us and for those we love. Next, there is an understanding that we have the freedom to make our lives as we will. Thirdly, a realization of our ultimate aloneness. And finally, the absence of any obvious meaning or sense to life. And to go even further with these four issues, I'm going to use the words of another expert in the existential, his name being James Webb, who says, death is an inevitable occurrence. Freedom, in an existential sense, refers to the absence of external structure. That is, humans do not enter a world that is inherently structured. We must give the world a structure, which we ourselves create. Isolation. Isolation recognizes that no matter how close we become to another person, we will never completely know that person, and no one can fundamentally come to know us. A gap always remains, and we are therefore still alone. The fourth primary issue, meaninglessness, stems from the first three. If we must die, if in our freedom we have to arbitrarily construct our own world, and if each one of us is ultimately alone, then what? absolute meaning does life have? Okay, so stop quoting for the moment and talk about how you 
as a parent, can best show up for your child when the existential comes a knocking. When it comes a knocking at your child's door of awareness. Because when this happens, what usually occurs is that parents will have a bit of a freak out, a high, high level of concern that their child is thinking about and talking about these ultimate concerns. And it's okay to be concerned initially, but I encourage you to be open to and willing to listen and discuss the existential with your child. So my hope is that this episode not only encourages you to engage with this conversation, but also prepares you to discuss this heavy but important topic. But that's not usually how it goes down. Most of the time, when a young person begins to encounter and explore the existential, their parents will feel that they're way too young to be thinking about these types of things, and therefore, they shouldn't spend time in these deep, deep waters. There can be a belief from parents that their child should remain innocent due to their youthful age. But here's the thing. The shoulds I just mentioned are not helpful. And here's why. If your child has communicated these thoughts, these concerns, well then, it is obvious that your child has dipped their toes into the existential. Or maybe they've done a full swan dive into the deep waters of existence. And when this happens, once your child has begun to think about these issues, I'm sorry to tell you, there's no going back. Once that bell is rung, they cannot. And you as a parent cannot unring that bell. So, initially, it's important to understand that when your child first encounters the issues of existence, there will usually be a period where they experience high levels of anxiety. Or they may begin to feel apathetic. And it's quite possible that they'll experience a level of depression that really scares you. This pandemic and other events from this year have caused many youth to begin to think about the transient, the transient and the fleeting nature of existence. It's caused them to question the meaning of their life and life in general. It's caused them to feel more isolated than ever and has provided an understanding that they have little or an entire lack of control over so many of life's events. Rewinding a bit to the pre-pandemic, the vast majority of our youth were focused on and engaged with their day-to-day, the activities that were scheduled for the week, and the expectations of school and home. For many of our youth, their attention was consumed by the daily drama and the relationships that contributed to the drama. 2020, for many reasons, has pulled our youth's attention away from the details and drama of the day and directed their awareness into the depths of the existential. And these depths, when first encountered and explored, will usually appear not just deep, but quite, quite dark. So it's important to know that once your child has passed the existential threshold into the ultimate concerns of existence, you, as a parent, are likely to see apathy, likely to witness a lack of interest, enthusiasm, and maybe even your child will experience indifference and detachment from many of the activities and duties of the day. Maybe that looks like disengagement, 
detachment, disinterest in engaging with school, household chores, personal hygiene, and maybe even not wanting to socialize with others. All right. Now, on to a, uh, what should I say, awkward transition that I hope isn't all that awkward. Okay. So this topic cannot be brought up without addressing religion. Because many of you may be thinking that these four concerns of existence, you know those ones I stated earlier, those being death, freedom, isolation, and meaninglessness, you may be thinking those aren't actually inherent, and therefore they do not need to be considered concerns. And that furthermore, each one of these four has already been answered for you and for all of us by God, or religion in most cases. And, and a big and here, I am not going to tell you to think or believe otherwise. I mean, personally, I grew up in the church. I attended Christian schools until high school. And I know, personally, that there are many great things that faith provides for people. But that's all I'm going to say about my own personal experience with religion. So instead, I'm going to share what research shows us when it comes to mental health and religion. Here's a bit about the topic from Roger Walsh's work entitled Lifestyle and Mental Health. Okay, so Walsh says this. Considerable research suggests a complex but usually beneficial relationship between religious involvement and mental health. In general, religious or spiritual involvement is most likely to be beneficial when it centers on themes such as love and forgiveness and is likely to be less helpful or even harmful to mental health when themes of punishment and guilt predominate. He goes on to say, those who attend religious services, at least weekly, tend to live approximately seven years longer than those who don't. So that was a bit about what the research shows about religious involvement. Here's the thing, and why I wanted to do this episode. Your child might not believe in God, or maybe they do, but currently, They're doubting their faith. And if either of those are the case, it's important to remember that a part of the developmental process known as adolescence, a piece of that process is to challenge or push against the beliefs of their parents and other adults in positions of power. And during adolescence, it can be the case that you will see opposition from your child to whatever it is that you hold most dear, which for many parents is their faith. Okay. So I think that all needed to be addressed. But now I'm going to transition back to that thing I was talking about earlier, that thing being how many parents believe that their child is way too young to be thinking about these types of things. This belief is usually the result from an unhelpful comparison that many parents do, which is a version of the old, uh, when I was your age. And in this version, it can sound like, well, when I was my child's age, I wasn't having these thoughts, these concerns. And that may be true. I mean, personally, when I was in K through 12, I was focused on impressing my classmates so they'd like me. And my main mode of getting the news came every Saturday morning when I'd sit down and watch NBA Inside Stuff with Ahmad Rashad and Willow Bay. If you're not familiar with this particular program, on this show, Ahmad and Willow never really got around to discussing the the meaning of life. But that was then, and this is now. And I'm really sorry for the cliche, 
but it can be a helpful reminder when you believe it's too early for your child's awareness of these things. Because if you think about it, when you were their age, you didn't experience a pandemic that kept you from safely spending time with your friends. And you probably were able to attend school in person. And most likely, you weren't fully aware of the urgency and severity of climate change. And another thing, you didn't have a computer in your pocket that allowed you to read about, and even more impactful than reading, you weren't able to see the devastation, the despair that can exist in every corner of the planet from the palm of your hand. So while it may be true that you didn't think about these things when you were your child's age, it's essential to know that this comparison will not be helpful when it comes to connecting with your child. But enough negative for the moment. Here's some good news. You don't have to fear your child's entry into the existential. And I'll just share personally that when I'm talking to a youth that has made the entry into the existential, I actually get excited because I believe that the earlier an individual encounters the existential, then the earlier they can begin to explore it and resolve it in their own unique way. I believe that it's true that many people will not fully engage with these issues until late in life. But I don't think anybody who lives a reasonably long life doesn't, at some point, arrive at the contemplation of these concerns. But here's the thing, and something I want to encourage you as parents to do, if you haven't already. It will be important and likely necessary for you to consider these concerns yourself, to sit with them on a consistent basis, so that you will be able to not go to a place of fear when your child begins to bring them up. Remembering, fear disconnects, but calm is contagious, and calm is necessary for meaningful connection. So if you haven't already, and to be helpful, I want to provide some brief positive outlooks that can address each of these four ultimate concerns, because I promise you, it doesn't need to be all doom and gloom on these. All right, to start, the big one, death. And on the topic of death, here's a quote from Irv Yalom, who I mentioned earlier, and will continue to mention. Okay, so on the topic of death, he says, though the physicality of death destroys us, the idea of death may save us. And what I take that to mean is that by reminding yourself that one day you will die, this is not just okay, it's actually the best way to live a full and happy life. Because when you or your child accepts that our days are not endless, that realization can create the perspective needed to start living the life they want to live. And when we have that realization, we can then be more grateful for our time here and grateful for the people in our lives. All right, so moving on to the next concern, that one being meaninglessness. So if your child believes that meaning is not inherent, the positive side of that can be that they get to develop their own meaning, which could be great. And when it comes to creating meaning, the ones that seem to stick, or maybe I should say, the ones that seem to give our life sustainable and helpful meaning are the ones that usually have to do with making a difference in the lives of others. Remembering the quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. from the Thanksgiving episode, 
life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? All right, so moving on to the next concern, that one being isolation. I will say that while, yes, we will never truly become one with another, and yes, someone will never fully or completely understand us, and while that's the case, that's fine. That's okay. And in a way, it's kind of cool that we each have a truly unique experience as an individual. And it can be a helpful reminder that most self-actualized people are very independent. And they value their privacy and really enjoy times of solitude. But that doesn't mean our relationships don't matter. Of course they do. Remember that meaningful relationships are the greatest predictor of mental health, physical health, longevity, and happiness. But a life is best lived when there's a balance. A balance between connecting with others and times of solitude. Because it's during these times of solitude where one can reflect, take time for personal discovery, and create their own individual outlook and consider their potential and their purpose. All right, so finally, let's look at freedom. What's that word? Freedom. That one sounds positive, right? Most people tend to like that word freedom. But in terms of this being an ultimate concern, what I'm talking about is the realization that we're responsible for ourselves. We are responsible for what we say, for what we do. And when you think about it and you feel it, that can be a really heavy thing to acknowledge. But this is about the positive. So the positive of that one is that we have the freedom to behave in a way that positively impacts ourselves, and not just ourselves, but other people. We have the freedom to make our lives whatever we want to make them. We are each the artist, and our paintbrush is how we treat ourselves and others. All right, so that was a brief breakdown of just a few ways you, and hopefully your child, can begin to see these four ultimate concerns in a new and positive light. But there's a reason that I didn't want to spend the majority of this episode sharing the positive perspectives. And that reason is because you don't need to have the answers to life's big questions in order to have a conversation about them. And when your child is experiencing the weight and maybe the darkness that the existential can provoke, the reality of the situation is that your child in these moments needs way more of your listening skills than they do your existential enlightenment or your ability to advise on such issues. These moments, these conversations are definitely an example of when our youth need way more of our support and much less of our solutions. And here's the thing. Even if you did have the answers, maybe because you are enlightened when it comes to the existential, even if that were the case, it's important to remember the saying, no one is a prophet in their own land. And I guess you could rephrase that to say, no parent is seen as an expert in their own home. All right. And to wrap this up, yep. Sorry, I'm, I'm not quite done yet. So because we are on the topic of existential and to take a healthy risk here 
And because I'm thinking if you've made it this far in this heavy episode, you may be willing to hear some hard truths about how these existential concerns may be impacting you as a parent. And to do this, I'm again going to share the words of Irv Yalom. Mainly because his words are better than anything I could provide, but also, if, I, if I'm being honest, I'm going to use his words so if somebody gets upset, I can just say, Hey, you know, I, I didn't say it. I was just sharing. So if you have a problem with what I'm about to say, bring it up with Irv. So I apologize for my cowardice. Okay, so here are a few quotes from Yalom on the topic of parenting. First quote, it is wrong to bear children out of need. Wrong to use a child to alleviate loneliness. Wrong to provide purpose in life by reproducing another copy of oneself. End of quote. Next quote. To build children, you must first be built yourself. Otherwise, you'll seek children out of animal needs or loneliness, or to patch the holes in yourself. Your task as a parent is to produce not another self. End of quote. Third quote. To fully relate to another, one must first relate to oneself. If we cannot embrace our own aloneness, we will simply use the other as a shield against Isolation. End of quote. And the final quote from Yalom that I want to share. Here it is. The more unlived your life, the greater your death anxiety. The more you fail to experience your life fully, the more you will fear death. End of quote. I wanted to make that one the last quote that I shared because I believe it can provide parents some direction when it comes to what can be done to show up fully in the lives of their children. The direction is clear when you look at that quote. Parents and other adults in the lives of young people need to do their best to live life fully. And if this is done, you will not fear death. And by doing so, you will then be better able to show up. Show up, lean in, and listen. Truly listen to your child when they are contemplating or concerned with the inherent issues of existence. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. Thanks again.